We've got some hey, fresh I'm Louise, and I'm Louise, and you're listening to the Content before. is Profit One, podcast. Two, we spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more about how to turn your content into profit, go to contentisprofit.com. That's Woo-hoo. right, guys, and today we have an amazing guest. He's going to show us... Well, we are going to talk about how our guest left his corporate job to find the true meaning of love and how content plays a part in all that. Oh, man, I can't can't wait to like dig in in this guy's mind. It's so, so exciting. So but before we get started, guys, please, please, please don't forget to hit smash that subscribe button on the Content is Profit podcast. (laughs) We would love for you to stay in touch with us and uh, catch up on all the episodes. Uh, remember to follow us on social media at BizBrosCo. And if you want to catch the live show, you can tune in Monday, Wednesday, Fridays Yeah, on Facebook. That's right. All right. I think without further ado, it's about time to introduce the, our guest. Right? So when we first met today's guest, we honestly had no idea what he did. As soon as, he, as we heard him speak, we knew he had some experience in the game. Yeah, he has great copy. He's clever. He is funny. But most importantly, he helps people create ridiculously awesome marriages. He is on a mission to get rid of mediocre love. Love it. He has achieved some awesome milestones like publishing continuously for seven years. He has more than one million downloads of his shows. He has his own TEDx talk, which we'll talk about. Launching his later venture called Epic Wives Experiment. And above all, having a ridiculously awesome marriage. Introducing the, the gift g- master, the soon-to-be dad, <laughs> Mr. Nick Bagley! <laughs> yeah, Nick, my man, welcome to Woo! the show! <laughs> oh, I see you guys with me everywhere. You're like the ultimate hype beast. I love it. <laughs> Let's go! I mean, that's, that's part of the fun, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. dude, it's amazing having you here. We are super excited, Nate. Honestly, since we met you uh, in one of Steve's event, I've been like, this guy knows so much. Like, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's like, oh, this guy, he, he's, he's pretty good. So we need to dig in and you know get all the goodies yeah i wanna i, I want well, to go ahead. when i met you guys i was like these are these are my brothers from another mother so <laughs> let's go i the, mean the connection is real guys yeah i mean we know you have the dance moves you know we mm-hmm. come from south america which dancing is like you, you you're born dancing you're a baby and you like go out and do that <laughs> so you know we're going to talk about that on how people are using creative ways of content to to you know go about their days but before that like i want to know like why don't you share a little bit of like a little bit of your story we know that you're a, an amazing content creator uh you have an amazing uh program that you're helping so many people adding so much value getting results and literally changing their lives so how did this how did this start yeah man it's a it's kind of a weird story so i just knew from a very young age that i wanted to one day get married like I wanted to have a family, wanted to, you know, wanted to have that life. And it was very obvious to me, and you guys can probably relate to this. It was very obvious to me that some you some people had amazing marriages and some people did not. I remember going to my friends' houses and there were some friends where I went to their house and I, it was like fun and their parents got along and there was no tension and it was like everybody just enjoyed being together in the same room. And then there were other houses that I would go to and I felt feel like we had to hide from parents and like mom and dad did not get along and we could hear them arguing yeah. and there was this tension. And it was just very clear for me from a very young, to me from a very young age that um, there's a spectrum in quality of relationships. So when I got into my twenties, I was like, all right, time to get busy. Like I want to, I want to date, I want to fall in love and I want to marry the girl of my dreams. And, um, I got stuck in a really nasty pattern of breakup after breakup after breakup after breakup. And eventually I realized that all my relationships had two things in common. One is that I was a part of the relationship and the other is it was failing. Yeah. And so I'm like, um, like all these, I've seen all these Ted talks and all this research and reading these books saying that like the most important thing to your overall quality of life is the quality of your relationships. And my relationships all sucked. 
So I was like, I got to figure this out or I'm going to be doomed to, to be one of those couples that's just miserable their whole lives. Yeah. So I ended up quitting my job at like, I was 26 or 27. And I went on this crazy cross country road trip and interviewed hundreds of couples who were madly in love with each other to see what I, if I could figure out what they did differently than everybody else that made their relationship so extraordinary. Wow, amazing. Yeah, that sounds like. That, so so here's my here's my question, right? Because obviously the show yeah. is called Content is Profit, right? And, and profit means so many things to other people. Like for us, it means like, you know, freedom, time, right? Because if we're making profit, we're able to to afford those experiences that is going to take our life to the next like level, right? So yeah. you decide to take on like this this trip of like uh, interviews and, and getting to know all these people, these couples, right? Uh, do you start publishing right away or is this something that you do for, for you, just for you? Well, I, I did it for me, but I knew that there were other people who had the same questions I did. So I was smart enough to record all of those interviews and ended up publishing them on a weekly basis afterwards. And that's kind of how I got in this game is I realized I'm not the only one who has these questions about how to have a great relationship. Like there are a lot of people out there who are struggling and they don't know where to get the answers. And a yeah. lot of the answers that exist are hidden in like research studies or in really boring books. And I found that I had an ability to go capture these stories and capture these principles and come and relate them to people in, in a lot more of an approachable way. And I, I hope that my passion for this topic is really contagious and gets other people excited about it. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how I got started. Is I started learning, hearing these stories, sharing them. Other people were like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about how other people are doing this well. And then it just kind of cascaded from there. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I have a, a quick question for you regarding right, recording them and then putting them out there. Like, did it ever go through your yeah. mind, you know, thinking like, well, do I really want to put all this work out there? Uh, what is other people going to think? You know, did that yeah. go through your mind? Yeah. Yeah. Every time you hit the publish button, there's that fear. <laughs> and and, and what, what do you do? You know, what, what, what goes through your mind to overcome that fear, right? And especially at that moment, people that may, might be starting to publish. Yeah, I uh, part of it is in listening to the in listening to the interviews and doing the interviews, I learn stuff. And I have to remind myself, okay, if I got something out of this, there's somebody out there who will get something out of this. And maybe not everybody will, but if I hold out and I don't publish, that means that one person who might have paid attention and heard this is going to miss out on the benefit or the the blessing in their life, the, 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 the positive contribution that it could make. And I can't – I have a hard time living with myself knowing that I could have taken away somebody's unnecessary pain and instead I let them suffer. So I kind of guilted myself into publishing that that's uh such an amazing like nugget right there yeah. because you know we've we found especially also us i mean we we recorded like our first five episodes of the show and just stay there collecting dust <laughs> the equipment collecting dust for like a full yeah. full year and uh and i think it was like on a similar situation where we saw like okay if our message like if only one person like pays attention to this and we're able to help them to go to the next step wow that's such a big reward already uh, so that's awesome that, you know, you started that way too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, the that's fantastic. The best entrepreneurs are servants. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. The power of giving, that is 100% yeah. true. So, so kind of picking off, picking off of, of that, right? Like of like, we are servants, right? You, you started this whole journey, not just with publishing, but researching, um, about this thing that was very dear to you. And first off, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that story because not a lot of people yeah. uh, are able to do that, right? Like, uh, and kind of recognize it. So the, the question is how, the were you super open about this like from the very beginning uh, or was there like a, like a process to get to this point where you share this story, like this is your story, you own it big time to the point to being on stage like, like TEDx, right? Um, and your show, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's definitely a process like the the first if you go, I hope nobody goes back and listens to my first like 10 episodes. But I I mean, I, th there's a lot of anxiety that comes around that revolves around publishing and speaking and telling your story. Um, there's a I, I told my I've told my story a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of ways that I've told it that don't resonate with people. Yeah. There's a lot of interviews that I've conducted that I wasn't very proud of. There's a lot of content that I've that I've written and videos that I've streamed live that I, like if I were to go back and watch them or listen to them, they're kind of cringy. And at, at the end of the day, like, yeah, man, you can either not publish. 
you can either publish and continue to move forward and learn from your mistakes and get better. Like, have you ever? I'm a little scatterbrained right now, but there's there's a. Have you oh, seen good. the video or the the audio from Ira Glass where he talks about taste? I have. It's amazing. Yes. He says like you get in the game of whether it's podcasting or YouTubing or writing a book or like being a blogger, you get in that game because you have a specific taste. You know what you like. You know what resonates with you. You know what's really good. And then you go try and create something that reaches your level of taste and you can't do it and it's really frustrating. And a lot of people give up. But the people who are really successful in this game are the people who continue to publish and publish and publish and publish. And each time they publish, they learn something better about how to get what they're able to create to match what their taste is, like what, they, what, what their level of expectation is. And I have seen myself grow as a publisher over the last couple of years, whether it's as a writer or as a speaker or a storyteller or whether I'm creating videos or a podcast, it doesn't matter. Like the, the only way that you can create something to the caliber that you hope to create is to create a thousand things that suck first. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of, I have to remind myself that constantly. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it's funny because I was watching one of your videos and I mean, you related this obviously to couples, but it, you said extraordinary couples are action takers and, yeah. and ordinary, ordinary couples are insight chasers. That's it. I, <laughs> I think that's how you said it. Yeah, and yeah. I think this applies 100% too with publishing, right? Like you're oh, talking yeah. about getting better progressively but the only way to do it is by taking action right like yeah you, there's always a million excuses like <laughs> oh there's a, I, i gotta watch another tutorial video on youtube or i gotta get a better microphone or i need to buy a better camera first or like i need to finish this course and it's like no man just publish hey that, like, that was me man <laughs> on your Facebook feed, on your phone, and just just start going, telling your story, and eventually like you'll find your voice, and it yeah. doesn't matter the platform, the tools, doesn't matter how well it's edited, it just matters that it's a compelling story and that, and that you have practice in it. Yeah, yeah no, 100%, I agree. And uh, sorry, a little, this is gonna be, I'm gonna throw another <laughs> compliment at you, man. Uh, something that I really like about you is that you obviously have a passion for what you do and what you teach, But as yeah. well, you are very passionate about being a great marketer because you know that if you are a great marketer, you can reach all these people that you ultimately want to help. So, again, yeah. just take it. Thanks, Boom, man. Catch it rather. So, <laughs> like, going off of that comment, right? Like, where where do you see that connection between, you know, I'm starting to create these interviews and publishing them out there and getting my voice out and starting that process of finding your voice with being a marketer and then attaching maybe like a product or whatever you you were selling right out at the beginning how was that process like because we talk with a lot of content creators right and we recently mm -hmm. went to a conference called Podfest, which was amazing but it opened our eyes to that a lot of people that are currently publishing when it comes to monetizing either that business or that show they're very lost right and that's a yeah. whole different set of of uh skills. skills that you need to do so how was that connection for you and and when did you do it yeah so i i was a Uh, I'll use air quotes here. I was a marketer first, and then I was a relationship nerd. So in college, I was a communications major. Okay. I wrote for the newspaper. I took a bunch of marketing classes. And then my first job out of college, I worked at a marketing agency. And then I worked on a marketing team at a software company. Cool. And um, so I was I had a passion for marketing long before I had a passion for relationships. And then I set down this road of relationships. And I, I, I mean, I use marketing in air quotes because... Um, The type of marketing I was doing is not the same as the type of marketing that I'm doing now. And uh, so I had I understood the concepts of like, you know, getting people's attention and getting them to take action and, and things like that. But then I went out yeah. on this journey and, and, and did all these interviews. And you're right. I started to get eyeballs and I'm like, I want to do this for a living. How do I how do I do this? And it was a wrestle. Like I went through a lot of iterations and I'm still going through iterations to try and figure out exactly how to deliver to the people that listen to me in such a way that provides value, enough value that they're willing to throw money at me. Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things I did uh, was I, my friend and I started a subscription box company called Unbox Love. And um, awesome we decided name. like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was kind of cool. We. We decided we would curate a date in a box and send it to couples once a month so they didn't have cool. an excuse not to have, go on a date night. And um, and it was a lot of fun, like conceptually, a lot of fun, but logistically, a nightmare. Because oh. 
like every month we'd have to plan a new box. We'd have to source all the materials. We'd have to get them all packed up. We'd have to get them all shipped out. And then by the time we got them shipped out, we were already behind planning the next month's box. And it was absolute madness. And (laughs) although I liked the vision of the business and I was like, I can leverage my platform to like sell people into this product and it's going to be really cool. And it's recurring revenue. Like the margins weren't there. I didn't understand numbers. I didn't have enough time to focus on marketing. And I thought people would just like throw their money at me because it was a good idea. Yeah. And, um, and then I, later I went on and I did like coaching, uh, coaching programs and one-on-one coaching and realized that I did not love trading my time for money. Um, and so I went through all these like different iterations of trying to serve people in a way that brought me joy and also fulfilled on their needs. And, you know, I closed the subscription box business. I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore. I don't really do group coaching in the, in the way that a lot of people do group group coaching. And now I just like, now I do something completely different, um, which is a lot of fun but yeah it's like it's not it what the finding the connection between publishing and building an audience and selling to that audience was not easy and it's it's still something that i'm that i'm working on and learning but understanding the true true principles of marketing and creating a sales message and a hook story and an offer that people buy into and like teaching people to to um pay to get value like that that's becoming something that i'm really enjoying doing yeah, that's awesome that you're enjoying that process. You know, earlier we yeah. were on on the show, and uh, one of the lessons that we've that we've learned with our business, we we, we used to have a, a t-shirt company. You know, the t-shirt that Fonzie is wearing right now, we made it right with our own hands, and that was so awesome. But at the same time, the process was very very painful and we're like we never ever 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 gonna do this again because we're not enjoying the process so you know we're now in a position where you know we drink our own kool-aid and we're really enjoying the process so uh i i feel like you enjoy your process so much that you know you continue to publish to reach out to like these experts to reach out to your audience right and at the same time you're making that connection it's like okay what do they need how can i help them that you know at the same time i can build a business around and i think that's wonderful uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about was there like a, 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 I mean, along all these seven years that you've been publishing or, or building different businesses and, and different ideas, was there like a moment in there that you thought, Hey, I'm done with this. Like, yeah, I quit. I did quit. You did quit. Okay. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Uh, yeah. After I sold Unbox love, uh, I was, I, I cashed, cashed in my chips. Like I, Sell, people are like, oh, you sold a company? That's so cool. You guys, when I sold my company, I made enough money to literally break even and pay off the credit card debt that I've been carrying to try and keep the mon- the, the company alive. Yeah, wow. It's not glamorous. I'd call it a single. Like I hit a single. I didn't hit a home run. Um, I, I, I got on base and I was so exhausted after that. I, I sold that company and then got married to my wife. And I told my wife, honey, I'm taking some time off from the entrepreneur thing. I just want to get a nine to five where I have security, where I have benefits and where I can just be a good provider, where I can come home at 530 every night and just be with you without having being distracted about like what's going on in my business and how are my how's my customer support doing and like all these other things, you know. Yeah. And so I, I did that. I went back to the nine to five grind for like a year and a half and just walked away from all this relationship stuff. And what ended up happening is about 18 months into our marriage. My wife and I went for a walk and um, halfway through the walk, she stopped and she just like looked at me and goes, honey, I need you to do something for me. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I need you to quit your job. And I was like, what? And she's like, the light is gone out of your eyes. Like when I married you, I married you in large part because you had this passion. And I know you still have that passion for helping people have awesome marriages. And I can't see you. I can't stand to see you just like going to work every day. It's like sucking your soul dry. I want you to quit your job. We'll figure out how to make it work. I need you to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh. I like burst into tears, gave her a big hug and a kiss. And I was like, okay, this is terrifying, but we're going to (laughs) figure out how to do it. So the reason I came back is because my wife advocated for me, not because I chose to come back. That's awesome. And talk about finding that one person that is going to support you no matter what. And not only that, but like push you could like, I can tell definitely she knew what you were, you're, what you're capable of, right? And she yeah. is just encouraging you to, to do more what you're here for. So that's that's an amazing. That, that's story. amazing. I mean, you know, even let's say there's a, a people that are publishing right now, even with their audience, you know, there's sometimes so much hate, especially like if you play on the polarizing side, right? You have your own message and you you truly believe what you're saying, but there's always going to be people that might not agree with you. 
Uh, and uh, the fact that you found so much support, you know, with your wife to the point that she's like, hey, I need you to continue on this journey. Like, I'm going to support you 100%. Um, I, I, I think I see a connection that with, with your audience too, right? Like, because, I mean, what was your audience like feeling at that point? And when you came back and was like, was that like, were they waiting for you? Or like, you, do you have to like rebuild the whole thing? Yeah, there were some people who there's a big, I mean, I cleaned out a big chunk of my list when I came back, yeah. but the people who stayed on were like, Hey, we've missed you. Where have you been? Like, is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. So it was, I think they were excited to have me back. And it's, it's been, it's been fun to see people who are like, yo, I've been with you since the very beginning. Like since when you did raise money for your Kickstarter and I watched you do the trip and like, it's been, you know, seven or eight years I've, I've watched you go through all these iterations and I'm, it's cool to see it. So yeah, that, people that- like it's, it's amazing how many people feel connected to you when you publish that you don't even realize it. Yeah. That's a spooky thing. Yeah, no, we actually have a term for that. We call it the the silent watchers. The silent watchers. Um, yeah, yeah. We actually we actually had a forty five live challenge, which is you go live on Facebook for forty five days straight, uh-huh. and we actually got business out of a silent watcher. Like one day, he just texted my brother like, "Hey man, I've been watching your videos. Like, yeah. do you guys want to have a content dinner? We're gonna sit down and talk about content and stuff." And it turned out into a an awesome a massive, deal, right? Massive opportunity. Yeah. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's and that's the thing that a lot of people I think they're driven by. I mean, metrics, right? Like, oh, how many viewers do I have? How many people are watching live? And of course, we are like day in and day out. We are we are bombarded with people that have content with thousands of viewers, right? So yeah, if we get two viewers in our live stream. People are going to be like, oh, I'm a failure. It's like, <laughs> no. Like, imagine you have those two people in front of in you. In front of you, yeah. I bet you're going to get sweaty armpits. You're going to be <laughs> super nervous, right? And, like, like it's, it's crazy. Like, even if it's two people in front of you, five people, whatever. Now, imagine as soon as you start growing, right? So, yeah. it's, it's a, crazy, a crazy thought that you can help people through a camera. Like, yeah. you cannot even see them, but you're helping it's them. It's nuts, man. Do... Yeah. Going off of that, do numbers like when you say, dude, like a million downloads, that's so many people, so much like, wow, like your message has reached out to so many households and you've been able to help with your message and with the experts that you bring. Does that, what does that make you feel? Does that mean something to you? No, I mean, not like it's a cool number. Yeah, for sure. But it's, that's. I've never been a numbers person. I've always been uh, an impact person. And the million downloads doesn't mean nearly as much as the email that I get from one person who goes, I really needed to hear that today. That's or amazing. Yeah. I, I watched this old video or I, t- I participated in your course and everything changed. Like yeah. um, we just we've done two iterations of the Epic Wives experiment. And every time we do it, I hear these transformational stories. Uh, one of my favorite is this woman who um, we, we, we're teaching about gratitude and appreciation and how to how to give that in a very specific way to your partner so that it makes them want to give you more of the thing that you like. And this Amazing. woman was like really stressed out and she, she called home one night and she's like, honey, I'm not going to be able to make it home in time to make dinner. Can you please take care of it for us? And he's like, yeah, n- no problem. So she comes home from work, dinner's ready, and she uses the gratitude formula and she tells him, you know, how much she appreciates it and why she appreciates it. And he goes, honey, I had no idea that dinner was stressing you out so much lately. How would you like it if I just, well, why don't I just take care of dinner from now on? Would that be oh. cool with you? And she's like, really? He's like, yeah, I did, if this is stressing you out, I'd be more than happy to cook dinner every night. Let's take it off your plate. You don't worry about dinner anymore. I got this. Wow. And like, I hear story after story after story of people who are like carrying around these burdens and then like, because they've discovered my content or taken a course, their life and their relationship has completely changed. They feel yeah. less stressed and more connected, less burdened and like, like more at peace. And it's like that to me is way more important than a bunch of downloads. That's that, amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Sorry for interrupting here. That's, um, that's, yeah, that's great. And I think there's a super valuable lesson here for everybody that is listening that if you're focusing on the metrics rather than on the impact that you can have, take a look at yourself because maybe you are not doing what you're really passionate about, you know? Like, yeah, it's because I think it goes hand in hand when your purpose and your impact driven, 
the crowd is gonna is, is they're gonna I mean I'm not gonna say the cliche build it and they'll come because again you need to know how to market yeah. your stuff but if you're impact driven and you know how to market your stuff oh you're gonna have results for sure 100 and honestly nate is the proof of that yeah. um you you can just hear right now one million downloads and he's like eh, eh, yeah like <laughs> I, i don't really care what i care is the stories that people come to me with of their success of how i've been able to you know influence a little bit of their lives to make it a little bit better and that is amazing you know i think i think that's our, our goal with content this profit hopefully someone that is listening yeah. they're like you know what i'm gonna start publishing right now i'm yeah. gonna go crush it we we've done it with a couple of people it's been fun because like they you know they're like oh guys like i see you guys there like i see your faces on the feed or whatever and like how what's the next step and you, you know just having those conversations we call them content conversations is such gratifying because now we're able to create a positive impact just like you are with your audience and, and yeah. with the Epic's Wives experiment. And one of the topics I really wanted to talk to you about was, or is, um, being vulnerable. Because on that TED Talk, when I saw it at the end, you have a moment where, you know, you you break out, like in tears. Like you're, you're there crying in front of the stage, probably hundreds of people, millions yeah, online. Yeah, a lot of people. Lots of people. So, uh Have you found a moment other than that one during your content or that you are purposely vulnerable or if if you're not like has it come out somehow and how do you deal with that? Yeah. I, I want to yeah. add to that question a little bit, you know, because I think a lot of people have that fear of being vulnerable too, right? So, you know, what are your thoughts around that fear and how, how can how can you deal with that? Yeah, the way you develop a relationship with some let's talk about vulnerability before we dive into that. Um, and this 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 is a topic that really hits home for me because I'm a relationships guy and vulnerability is a really big part of relationships. And so when I the mental image that I get when we talk about being vulnerable is if I was like a warrior, if I was a, like a soldier, if to become vulnerable, I have to take off my armor. Yeah. Um, and, and that means that there's a possibility that I could get hurt. I'm exposed to the potential for being hurt or being taken advantage of. Now, um, if you are in a relationship with somebody and you try and hug them and they're in full body armor, it's really hard to connect. But when you hug somebody like your friend or your brother or your lover or whatever, and you're heart to heart and you can feel them close to you, man, that connection is real. Like you can really, really feel that connection. And so to me, vulnerability is just taking off the armor and being real with people, like letting them see the real you, what what's really going on in your life. Um, I think I think it's Brene Brown who talks about the importance of sharing your scars and not your wounds. And so there's like a little bit there's a little bit of a balance between sharing something that is fresh. Yeah. And that's kind of sometimes it feels like you're oversharing and you're emotionally dumping on people. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is like sharing something uh, in, in a in a way that helps them, um, helps you connect through the feelings of empathy and helps them see themselves and their own experiences through your experience. And so for me, like it's, it's the hardest times it's hardest for me to be vulnerable when it's just me in a room talking to a camera. Yeah. But when I'm having a real honest conversation, like right now, it's really easy for me to be vulnerable because like, I like you guys and I care about you Thank and you. <laughs> and therefore I want to be close to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with your listeners. So I I've learned that it's okay for me to take off the armor in the right setting. Um, I'm not going to take off my armor if I'm going into battle, but in a situation like this, like it's absolutely necessary. And if you're yeah. a content creator, if you are a marketer, you have to tell stories to connect with people. And the stories that connect the most are the stories that are true and honest and vulnerable. Um, So that's, I think it's an, especially in the relationship space, but in any, honestly, any business, I think the most vulnerable stories are the ones that connect the most with people, develop the most trust, develop the most connection. And then yeah. that's how you develop a following. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I, I'm I actually it. relating a little bit to that. I'm, I started reading a book called Anti-Fragile and it's, God, the subtitle is Things That Gain From Disorder, right? And yeah. I think being vulnerable is is in part that, right? Like there's some disorder in, in your life, something that happened in your life that made you grow and it turned into a scar, like you said, and now you're willing to share that. And somebody else that is might be going through that same path, like you said, right? Create that feeling of, yeah. of empathy. They're going to be like, 
wow, like he just put into words what I'm feeling right now. But not only that, like maybe they have been afraid of sharing that or maybe they have been afraid to try to overcome that. And I think just, yeah, just connecting to that level helps people see like, okay, like if they have done it, I can do it as well, right? Like it, it, it's inspiring ultimately. So yeah. 100%. I love it. So transitioning a little bit in, in, to the topic, right, that you that you deal with, right? You talk of, with relationships is uh, it's, it's something, it's not tangible maybe like it's not a material thing right but it but it is there and i can see this topic being very polarizing at some point so you what is like your take on what's your position as a content creator you bring a lot of experts i think your your last season you're being you on your own a lot more uh but why do you start bringing different people into your network and you know it started with you wanting to know more but why do you continue over a hundred or plus episodes doing that and what's the direction that you're going to take uh going that going going in the future yeah whether it's just me or whether i'm bringing on guests yeah yeah um i i'll be the first to admit that i don't know everything like the the world my world i'm anybody's world but i'll just speak for myself my world of relationships like there's so much to talk about there's so many things that people are struggling with and they're suffering with and they want solutions they want to know more about and i can't be the expert on everything i have a massive bookshelf full of relationship books and even after reading all those i still don't know everything so i love bringing on people who know more than i do to speak to a specific topic because i get to learn from it and my audience gets to learn from it um but i also more so lately uh, here's one of the one of the reasons i made a transition away from doing only interviews is because I realized that I was branding myself as more of an interviewer and a storyteller than I was as an expert. And I felt that after doing almost a decade of research and reading books and spending tens of thousands of dollars on workshops and therapy and being trained by some of the top marriage experts in the world, that I had something to share that was more than just being a, a proxy for my audience. So there came a point where I was like, I'm ready to be known as an expert and not just an interviewer, not just a curious soul. And so yeah. in doing my solo episodes um, and mixing it in with an interview every now and then, I get an opportunity to kind of stand on my own soapbox and teach from my own experience and um, position myself as a subject matter expert. And it's kind of helped to, I've noticed that people are take me more seriously now because of that. So I think it's good to not be the only expert in the room. It's good to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, but, but it's also not good to only defer to other people and not establish your own voice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's wonderful. And I love where you're going with this because, yeah. uh, you know, us, like we struggle a lot with, with that, right? Like we worked on this content, social media world for about five years now, and we've implemented, we've gotten results. How do you qualify? How do you qualify yourself, right, as an expert maybe? Or is it other people that actually call you an expert and then you take on of that and, and continue to go? And I think that's a thing that we're constantly, like, thinking about. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But at the beginning when we started publishing, we we're like, wow, that, that was a big, big, big block for us. It's like, are we actually able to talk about this thing, right? So for yeah. you, what made you, like, what was that thing that you're like, okay, I feel like an expert. I am an expert. <laughs> Let's continue to go. Yeah, that's a hard hump to get over. It was for me, at least. Um, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that creeps in. And a lot of people, like, I still get confronted with, well, did you go to grad school? Are you a therapist? I don't see any letters behind your name. You know, why should I trust you over a therapist? And, like, I have lots of answers for that now. But in the moment, it's a <laughs> yeah. scary feeling yeah. to have people, like, you know, why are you the expert? Why should I trust you over somebody else? And um, to me... The expert, I read a, who said this? I can't remember who said it, but somebody said the most important person in your life is probably going to be somebody who's just two or three steps ahead of you that they can turn around and show you the obstacles that, and how they overcame them that you're facing now. That's amazing. I think yeah. a lot of the times we look at people who are like a mile down the road and we think that they're going to be our mentors and the people who help us the most. But really, most of the time, it's people who are just a couple steps ahead of us who provide us the most help. And I found that when I started to realize that in my, I may not know everything, but I know enough to help somebody get results 
to help somebody get overcome specific trials and struggles that they're experiencing that I could consider myself an expert of that thing. I mean, you know, no, I, I, and gradually my experts grew. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry so for interrupting. To me, it's about helping people get results. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. Um, and I, I think I've been personally feeling that shift a little bit. Um, and I think it, it, it changed at first because we used to read and consume a lot of content and, and then share kind of like what we learn, right. Mm -hmm. And bring people and share their opinions and their, their expertise. But I think it wasn't until I started being more of, and not in a bad way, but like of a critic. So it, now instead of just reading a book and be like, oh, I learned this and share it. Now I read something and I ask myself, do I agree with this? Yes, no, why? You know, why is my own what is my own opinion about this? Yeah. And you know, and, and then that's what I go and share with other people. Um, and I think, again, there's nothing new in the world. Like, If you think about something, probably somebody else thought about it way before you did, right? So at the end of the day, it's about, okay, how am I gonna like put my thoughts together, my own opinions together, and how am I gonna share about this topic with my audience? And like, I think that's what makes people an expert, right? Like then be get, getting that confidence to put your own opinion to it, obviously doing it with uh, ethics, right? Yeah. Like it, under yeah. a moral, moral base, I guess, uh, that you know you're actually truly helping people. I think that's that's the difference and that that is a big hump, right? Like what you said, that imposter syndrome. Because as soon as you start doing that, you're like, oh no, what are the others gonna say? I'm not the expert, right? Like, Uh, what if I get found out? Yeah, exactly. Like, the f I remember the very first time we went to sell or <laughs> social media marketing agency services when we first started, that we went to a restaurant. And my biggest fear was him asking me, oh, what is your diploma in? Because I graduated <laughs> as a sport management. Yeah. That, that's my degree of sport management. I never used it. But I was like, what if he yeah. asked me? Oh, no, you know, like I even dressed up like... Uh, a suit, suit on. yeah, like a tie, yeah. everything. We need to find a picture of and that I, man. And I went there and I talked, and guess what? He never asked me, like, "Hey, did you graduate? Was your degree or anything?" So yeah, right. you have that confidence or not? So yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know that shift and how difficult it was because yeah. I think people needs to hear that yeah. not everybody has it either. Easy. Yeah, I think it. I think what it boils down to is. Um, if you don't ever want to be found out, don't be a, don't claim to be an expert of something that you don't know a lot about. Exactly. Like True. what I, in my space, there are, there's, um, there's a certain, a, a, a guy that I'm thinking of right now who is considered like the expert in, in a specific domain of relationships. Okay. And I went to one of his trainings and he was like teaching. It was just a master, just like pouring out knowledge. And then he crept into a domain of sexuality and sex which was not his forte. Like he hadn't done a lot of research around it. It's okay. not something he'd spent a lot of time in and he shared his opinion and he carries a lot of, a lot of authority in other aspects of, the, of his, this domain. But when he shared that opinion, I was like, I, I, I lost credibility for him. I was like, oh man, why is he talking about this? This isn't his domain and he's wrong. Like I know he's wrong because I've studied all this stuff and like I, I knew he was wrong. And so like, if you don't ever want to be caught being uncredible or not having good credentials, just don't talk about stuff that you don't know anything about. Refer out to other people. Yeah. You know, there's no, sh there's actually people get more respect for you when you say, actually, I don't know that answer that question, but I know somebody who does that can help you. Like maybe I'm not the best guy to help you develop an email campaign. I'm an expert in YouTube videos. I'm really good at helping you create dynamic YouTube videos that create engagement and stuff like that. If you want emails, I'm not your guy, but I know a guy who can really help you. Like you don't need to be the expert in all things content. Just be the expert in the thing that you're really passionate about yeah. and be enough of an expert that you can pave the way for the people who are a few steps behind you. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. <laughs> I think it's, and I, I think it's even more difficult to admit and tell the other person that you don't know about that yeah. or that you're not the expert about that. And therefore they're going to be like, okay, like respect, you know? So yeah. Yeah. that's, that's an interesting lesson. And As a another client, golden I'd nugget. rather hear that up front than find out, like I'd rather hear from somebody that I hire that they're not, 
that they don't have the answer, but they can find it and have them be honest with me, then have them go, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And then a couple months go by and I paid them money and they're not getting me results. And I'm like, what is going on? And then find out later, like, oh, actually, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, no. That's I, way worse. I, I, I can relate to that because we, we were talking about this this morning. We yeah. actually used to have a client that... I mean, she was amazing. We learned so much with her. It's like that that first client, right? Yeah, that, that you, first that client, get. right? <laughs> that they, they tell you, hey, can you do this? And you're like, yes, yes, of course I can do it. And then immediately you go to YouTube and like try to figure it out. And I mean, it was obviously a moment of our life where in part we were operating out of need, right? It's like, yes, we can still do it. We can do it. I'm putting challenges on, on us. But it led us to where we are right now and it, it taught us the lesson okay we need to be the experts in oh, one, one thing. thing we cannot be the yeah. masters of everything because like that doesn't really exist um so yeah that it's interesting because looking back at our story i'm like wow we were there right yeah and it's fun to see how we over overcome that yeah i think i think this relates to not just with like what you do with, but with your message right like it's like the message that you put out there especially specifically knowing what's your dream audience who's that dream client that you want to work with do you do you know right off the bat who that person was no. uh no obviously okay no. and and what was that process how do you discover or are you still discovering who that person is no i'm pretty clear now um I mean, I started out as a storyteller, not as a marketer. Well, I mean, not not as like a an entrepreneur, I should say. Okay. So I told a lot of stories and built an audience and then turned around and looked at my audience and I'm like, oh, I guess that's who I'm serving. <laughs> you know, I had a list of a couple thousand people and I'd send out a survey and find out like, oh, it's 70% women, 30% men. Most of them are a little bit younger. Most of them are uh, a big chunk of them are are married and have like a couple of kids and they're entering that phase of life where things are just really hectic and they're starting to go, remember when we got married, how happy we were and how carefree we were and how connected we were. And now we're just worried about mortgage and finances and changing diapers and running kids to soccer practice. And we can barely even get on a date night <laughs> and life has changed. We like, if we continue down this path, we're in trouble, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to lose each other and they come to me to reconnect. Um, but I, I had to, I had to build an audience and talk to them and tell enough stories and engage with them and ask them enough questions to figure out who they were and what they're, what they're, they were struggling with. So now like the Epic Wives experiment, um, is like kind of what, one of my big core offers that I do right now. Yeah. And I know exactly who I'm targeting. Yeah. I am targeting the wife who, who is feeling stressed out, overwhelmed, burned out like the majority of the the relationship the response like the the quality of the relationship rests on her shoulders like if yeah. she didn't engage her husband uh and like poke him and prod him he wouldn't really show up and she just is she's feeling a little resentful I, and then I, I tell a story about transformation and how it, you can go to that place from that place to a place of connection and passion and playfulness and fun and peace um, in less than a month by doing a couple little experiments and your husband Amazing. doesn't even have to know. And yeah, you might think like, I shouldn't be doing more than I'm already <laughs> doing, but I promise you, if you do this, you're going to walk away at the end of this challenge and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my marriage is so much better. Amazing. And I've had, I've had 500 women wow. read, read that, read that story, hear that story and go, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, I give them a money back guarantee and then yeah. they come and they try it out and I get literally miracle after miracle. I, the last month I just remember sitting on my couch night after night, just crying tears <laughs> of joy, reading these women's testimonials coming back saying, wow. I don't know how this is working, but my it husband is. opened up to me and connected <laughs> with me or my husband wow. started doing stuff on my honeydew list or my husband bought me flowers. He hasn't done that in a decade. And they're wow. like, what is happening? And I'm like, you guys, like you're doing the work. That's what's happening. Exactly. Like, and, and anyway, so that's like once you lock in on who who your customer is and talk to them enough, you figure out what they struggle with and you tell them the right story. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I want those results. Amazing. It's, it's a cool I, experience. I, I love how, how specific it is. And I think, you know, we struggle a lot with that when we started this whole content profit side of things. Uh, do you ever 
like fear that there was not enough people. Like if you go that detail, and by the way, if you're listening and you fit that profile, please go and check Nate because we've we've seen those uh, those reviews and they're amazing. We actually have personal friends that are part of that program and they're loving it. So, uh, but yeah, so you oh, know, back to the sweet. question is like, do you do you ever feel like there was not enough? They're like, okay, I'm being so specific. Yeah. I'm not gonna have a market for this. I'm not gonna yeah. be able to keep my lights on. Yeah. Definitely. There's, I mean, there's all these narratives that go through my head, you know, it's like, um, one, there's not enough people Two, if there are enough people, I don't know how to get in front of those people. How do I get in front of them and convince them? Um, three is why would they follow me when they could follow somebody else? You know, there's other people out there doing similar stuff that have way bigger following than I do. Why would any, anybody sign up for my thing when they could go do this thing with this other person or the credentials creep in that imposter syndrome? Why would they listen to me over somebody who has way more experience you know, or who has proven different results. Like maybe they have 300 testimonials and I only have 50. Like yeah. why wouldn't, why would they choose my program over theirs? And yeah, it's really easy to get caught in your head, man. Super easy. So how do you do to not get caught in your head when all these stories kind of creep in and you're like, Hey, you know, I, I know I can deliver. Like, how do I, how do you do that? Um, that's a good question. It's something I struggle with. And I find that the, the times where I can break out of that are that like, People can't think of two things at the same time. It's it's impossible. You can't think of yeah. two things at the same time. You can't yeah. focus on two things at the same time. You can alternate back and forth really quickly, but you can't just stay fixated on two things at once. It's impossible. And so when I start to fall down that, that um, I don't know, that well of darkness and shame <laughs> and fear, um, I, I think that the thing that's most helpful is having people in my corner that I can talk to that will remind me like what I really need to be focusing on. I save every email. I have a, an email folder in my inbox called feel goods. <laughs> and nice. every time somebody sends me a thank you note or a testimonial or something positive, I save it and I put it there. And in those moments where I'm feeling discouraged or like, you know, nobody's going to listen to me, I go back and I go, Oh yeah, here's a list of like a hundred people Amazing. who've listened to a podcast episode or taken a course or done a challenge and they got real results and like that's why I'm doing this and if I if I don't pull my head out of my butt and keep moving forward then people who need this type of a result aren't going to get it so yeah I, 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 I love start working I love I the, love feel the feel good folder in the email yeah I'm like hmm let's do that yeah we actually well, uh, you know we were uh, Funnel Hacking Live, right? And we, we heard Tony Robbins. And uh, for me, like, it was very meaningful what he said about the, the the positive stacking. That activity for me was so, so, so powerful to the yeah. point that it's very similar to what you do with, with those, the feel goods, right? Like, you're, you're just stacking a ton of positives. So when you identify that you feel down, you go back to that. And, uh, you know, I, I think with most content creators, especially if they're starting up in their journey, you know, they're going to face so many things they're gonna face growth they're gonna face like feedback they're gonna face haters right and uh and i think something like that is very useful to have where you can remember okay what are my the positives who's the people i'm impacting uh what have i done to help them out and then go back and check those out so that's amazing i love it yeah i think naturally as humans we try to stay in our comfort zone right so when we have to do something to move forward immediately it's like Doubt, 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 you know, those limiting self-beliefs that you have and they're going to stop you right on your tracks. So, yeah, I think it's a great tool to have something that reminds you like, hey, this is what you're doing this for. Yeah. And not only that, like you have done it and look what people are, say are saying about it, right? Like how they're how you're helping them. Yeah. It's a great reminder. Yeah. I I literally right before this call did a Facebook live and topic of the Facebook live was that there's two types of anxiety. And like your brain creates the feeling of anxiety to protect you from danger. Like yeah. your brain's number one, number one purpose is to keep you alive. That's like baseline goal number one and everything mm -hmm. else on, is built on top of that. And anxiety is an emotion that's there to keep you alive. But like one type of anxiety is, oh, there's a tiger behind that tree. And the other type of anxiety is you're stepping outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And 99% of the time when we feel anxiety in life or when we're feeling anxiety in our business, it's because we've reached a growth point. Yeah. Our, our comfort zone, we've like reached that edge of our comfort zone and we're stepping out into it and always went, two things always go together and that's growth and anxiety. 
And you're going to feel discomfort. You're going to feel doubt. You're going to feel that imposter syndrome whenever you're in a position of growth and you have two choices. You can either push through and you can um, do the work and you can chase your dreams and get success and see if you can get results or you can give up yeah. and you win and you cannot grow you cannot become better and then you'll never have the strength and the capacity to overcome those challenges again so if you're in that m mode right now if you're feeling that self-doubt if you're feeling afraid if you're feeling anxious just know that's what everybody feels it's natural and it's normal and the goal here if your life isn't in danger is to push through that anxiety or become friends with it really understand like what are you trying to protect me from here yeah like what most people feel anxiety and nerves around is like, somebody's going to judge me. Somebody's going to hate me. Somebody's going to criticize me. You know, somebody's going to take this and steal it. Somebody like there's all these reasons and excuses that you'll feel anxious about not publishing. But if you just publish, if you just produce that anxiety starts to go away and you start to develop confidence. And it's the only way to develop confidence is to push through that anxiety. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I feel like we felt that growth on, on confidence Uh, by publishing, I think there's something about putting your thoughts into words that it like it just hits you. It feels like you you're learning as you speak and you're growing as you're speaking as well. It, I don't know yeah. exactly how to describe it, but it's an amazing sensation. Yeah. Well, Nate, we want to be super respectful of your time. This conversation has been amazing. I think, like, yeah. we, we tell everybody we need, like, a round two at some point because, <laughs> like, it, there's so much stuff that we can keep talking about. Like, right. I, I love your entire journey. Anytime, guys. Thank Anytime you, man. Anytime you want to chat, you let me know. <laughs> Appreciate awesome, it. So, so, Nate, tell us, how can our audience find you? What are you, how are you helping people right now? And uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, two great opportunities for you. One, if you just want to like tune into the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes. It's just the Growth Marriage Podcast, or you can subscribe on YouTube. I've been really focusing on YouTube lately and delivering videos, and I like connecting with people face-to-face, -face, so um, that's a huge opportunity. And then if you are a wife and you're listening and you want to like take your marriage to the next level, come join the Epic Wives Experiment. It's at epicwivesexperiment.com. Um, And it starts in mid-May, like May 18th, so in just two and a half weeks. And I guarantee you I will knock your socks off. I guarantee <laughs> you you're going to walk away. If you show up and participate for 30 days, you'll walk away it. going like, I didn't know my marriage could be this good. We have seen those those reviews, and they're literally yeah. amazing. And we literally refer it to like a really good friend of ours, and they're having amazing results. So go ahead, guys. Check Nate out. Uh, definitely check his content out. We are so freaking excited that you were able to do this with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's it. Guys, My if you're pleasure. listening, please do not forget to subscribe to the Content is Profit podcast. Go check Nate's out at Smash the Growth Marriage. Button. Smash it. That's Smash right. It, that's right. <laughs> And in honor of Nate, if you get to see a video or if you're watching it live or you get to see a little clip of this podcast, please comment with a GIF. Yes. Um, yes. With that, Nate, don't leave. We're going to chat with you for a couple more minutes for everybody listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you live on Friday and uh, on the next episode if you're listening yeah, to Monday, any platform. So, <laughs> thank you, guys. Have a good one.